OTB GAA Burns was on another planet this year boys like in the first half of the All-Ireland final this year Old Murphy put a puck out down Burns puts the claw up and puts it back over the bar like. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember Effortless shave Magnificent Mo uh, Time to reflect on Spurs win over Marseille last night Clinching that top spot In Champions League Group D Delighted to say Martin Lipton The Chief Sports Reporter With The Sun Is on the line with us this morning Morning Martin How are things? Um, okay thanks Yeah very good You're happy enough I mean the the, uh, the first half Was fairly purr From a Spurs perspective But the reality is It's a results based, based business And uh, you got the job done Yeah I mean They, they won They didn't play well um, have we seen that once or twice? <laughs> yes, we have. It's been a, a story of the of the campaign thus far. Really, they they're still to play. I would say eighty percent of what they're capable, let alone a hundred percent. And yet they are they are grinding out results. And yesterday was was a case in point. Awful first half. Uh, it was only when they conceded a goal that they decided to try and score. Uh, and then second half, once they got back on terms. A little bit shaky at times, you know. Kolasinac is a great chance, but Tottenham had the better opportunities. I guess when you consider, like at halftime, you felt Spurs were going to have to do a lot, and the the table at halftime read Sporting first, Marseille second, Spurs in third, and Frankfurt in fourth. Hard to believe then that those bottom two teams ended up being the two that that progressed to the last sixteen. But I mean, was it the, the switch to three five two that kind of changed things up for Spurs and, and got them into the game a little bit more? Because when Young and Son went off, you're thinking. This is I made a tough task even tougher because you've Richardson out, you've Kulusevski out. So the fact that they managed to do it in those in those circumstances is is quite even more impressive, Martin. Well, I think the key was they actually played twenty yards higher up the pitch. Right. Yeah. Uh, they were just sitting off and let uh, and letting Marseille play in front of them, which is always a dangerous game, particularly when you've got Tottenham's defence. Uh, and lo and behold, they switched off for a goal from a corner, which they were still moaning about the corner, and justifiably so. But that's what happens in football. You've got to take decisions and react to them. Second half, they played much. They were pressing the ball properly. They were playing higher up the pitch. The extra body in midfield allowed that. But they were setting traps for Marseille, which they weren't in the first half. And it went that they were winning the ball back in positions where they could hurt them. It was interesting you brought off Cessignon at half-time because Cessignon had been involved, obviously, in the corner and, um, it, I, I don't know, he could have been one of, uh, I guess, five or six candidates, Martin, at half-time they were that insipid. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't play well, but none of them did first half, did they? Let's be brutally honest about it. They were lucky to still be in the game. It was, uh, it could have been all over. They could have been two or three down because they were very, very poor. Cessignon, um started at right-back, was switched to left-back, didn't seem to know where he was. Um, sometimes you just need to do a bit of shock therapy don't you in a team to change things up and that's what what happened uh, and it definitely Im- improved the, the way they play for all the stick that Emerson gets uh, it's, it's mainly about his delivery it's not about his defending uh, in terms of one against one I think he always falls asleep at the back post as we saw uh, on Saturday at uh, Bournemouth and again last night for Kolasinic but he actually gives the squad a bit more of the team a bit more definition because he does know the position the, the 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 issue there of uh, of Spurs going behind again, Martin, and we spoke about this yesterday with Gareth Roberts talking about Liverpool as well, and it's an issue they've been facing all season. But uh, and you saw it with Tottenham at the weekend against Bournemouth as well. I mean, look, they're third in the table uh, in the Premier League. They've topped their uh, Champions League group, so all is well in that regard. But this this trend of going behind in games and and taking taking that uh, concession to to wake themselves up isn't isn't a sign of champions, and it's something they're going to have to address. 
isn't but I think it's five on the spin now they've conceded the first goal in all competitions that's too many uh, the last time they didn't was Everton at home um, so you're right it is becoming something of an issue they've managed to keep on digging themselves out of it a, a lot of the time you know the last three matches draw against Sporting when they should have won the match they were much better second half uh, Bournemouth when the last 20 minutes they turned it round and again last night you can't keep on walking on a high wire. You're going to fall off, aren't you? I mean, it's as simple as that. You, it, it's impossible to consistently uh, pull off escape acts. So I think there is a, as a recognition. The other thing is, it's pretty clear that Conte's basically told them to play with the handbrake on this half of the season. He wants to get through to the World Cup uh, without too much damage. Well, if they can pick up a four points two points even from the next two league games then that would have been achieved uh, they'll be in the top four or five within touching distance of where they want to be they're, they are in Europe in, still in the Champions League that will be job done as far as Conte is concerned you, you, you think I mean I've heard that before you think that actually is the case it, it, it does look actually it does look like that might be the case when you look at the way they're playing and it is very very constrained particularly in the first half and they're kind of trying to do enough and they're in a good position in the league yeah it, I mean whether it was accident or design it appears to be the way they play I mean it's interesting listening to the players yesterday they were admitting that they were playing too deep and standing up and you do wonder well why uh, why did you do that? Like the second half, Martin, it was literally like you sent, it was like as if, okay, let's act shit in the first half and let's act like we can play in the second half. It was so different. It was like, yeah. this This can't be, this can't be by accident. You would think not. You, there has to be something in it. It's about, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a sort of rope-a-dope tactic, isn't it? You let them punch themselves out and then strike. And we've seen teams do that in the past. Um but you tend to do that if you've got a solid defence and a team that's conceded 16 goals in the Premier League so far is not, has not got a solid defence by its very nature when they've only played 12 matches so it's hard to see the the justification for the faith in that regard in them defensively but Conte knows a lot, a lot more than I do and a lot better than I do I, th- I think he genuinely is trying to get through this first half of the season I think there will be significant reinforcement in January as well. They need two or three better players in various positions. And I think that that will be critical to see to determine where they finish. Last season's January signings were critical. In Kulisevsky, who's much missed at the moment, and Bentancur, they were the big reason for them coming in the top four. Also, Son is still not playing as well as he can, and obviously he got injured yesterday. I think we'll find that he wasn't concussed, even though he was concussed, because if he was concussed, he couldn't play on Sunday, so therefore he wasn't concussed, even though he was concussed, if that mm. makes some sort of sense, uh, because that's what happens in football. Um, there's a lot more to come, there's no doubt about that, but there needs to be as well. Uh, some of the, the positive performers then last night, Martin, I mean, you look at Clement Longley, one of the uh, unlikely scorers, I guess, last night, when you looked at it from the outset, but... Um, and maybe it's because he's a Frenchman and, and wanted to perform against Marseille in, in the, the Velodrome, but he played really, really well, and even not just in terms of the goal, but the interceptions he had at the back as well. Someone like Pierre-Emil Hoybier was, was, was brilliant. Um, and you look at Denmark's World Cup, and you're thinking, if he can play like that, I mean, they could do anything in the World Cup. So some very good standout performers, especially in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Hoybier's been Tottenham's best player this season, without a doubt for me. He's been the most consistent, the most impressive, He's added goals to his game, which he didn't really have. He had one or two a season before, and he's got more than that already. 
That was a belting finish last night. And he probably it was actually harder than the one he hit the bar mm. with, I think. <laughs> uh, but he keeps on making those runs and keeps on trying. I think that's really important. Longley is finding his feet. He's been there three months now. Uh, he, one of the reasons they brought him in was his experience, and also because he was available. He wasn't first choice, second choice, or third choice for that role of left-sided centre-half, but he was available. They've got him in on loan. Uh, I would be surprised still if they turn it into a permanent deal, but you never know. If he keeps on performing, then that may may change. Um, but yeah, the pair of them played well. I think, you know, Luis made the saves he had to make last night, even if distribution was typically Luisian, shall we say. Um Dyer had a wobbly period, but when it mattered, he came came strong. Bentanko drove them forward second half. Kane was basically a one-man at- attack and was occupying defenders. And when it really mattered, his run led to the winning goal. You've you got to have sympathy for Conte and other managers as well, Martin, haven't you? Because they're, they're throwing this like almost inhumane schedule where, you know, and... and if Spurs collapse in the second half of the season, we'll all be like calling for his head. Where, you know, he's. Uh, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp seemed to be compelled to play a very good team last night purely because they needed a win, which is completely counterintuitive for players that probably need a break. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a manager. Put it that way. It is difficult. They're all having to balance things they've never had to balance before, uh, and it does make things tricky. And I think you can look across Europe. A lot of teams are not performing to the highest level. Uh, also, we've got the situation, I think for the next two weekends, a lot of players will be wary about getting injured. Mm. They won't want to, so they won't be com- completely committed because they want to play in the World Cup. And I think all of these factors are, are completely unusual and alien. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard enough in a regular season with the amount of games, but compressing the Champions League into an eight-week period, which has been done this season, as opposed to the 12 weeks it's normally played over, uh, the extra then we've had in this country you know the the extra chaos that's been caused by um, the 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 aftermath of the Queen's death so no one quite knows when matches were being played and all these sort of things have added to added to the chaos and you've got this World Cup and a six week break and how do you look after players A the ones who aren't going to the World Cup and B the ones who are going to the World Cup because unlike the rest of Europe which waits until January and sometimes quite deep into January before restarting you know in England we're, we're kicking off again all these League Cup matches on the Tuesday after the World Cup final and a Premier League fixture list on Boxing Day I mean you could argue that it's utterly bizarre and bonkers but that's the nature of the beast it is yeah and like you know you hear about Conte's training sessions it must be really difficult for him how do you how do you go into pre-season and get this right and talk to your your, your experts and S&C guys and I mean how, how do you plan for this like there's no is there even a precedent for, for the madness that this entails no it's completely unprecedented no one really no one will know how to deal with it properly until we've been, they've been through it and then they'll hope to never have to deal with it again although I start to suspect that 2030 uh, may prove that you can have two Winter World Cups inside a decade. We will no. see. Um, it, but you, you're right, and it's for every manager. It's, particularly those with the, with the vast number of players who are going to go to Qatar for the World Cup. They have even trickier tasks than the ones further down the league who've maybe got half, uh, you know, two or three, a handful of players going. But everyone's got to, got to sort out how they work it out do they do a full second free season do they give them two weeks off uh, and then a gentle week and then a week of hard training it's not clear no one really knows what the answer is and you'll only be able to to say for certain when you've gone through it at least you'll know then what works and what doesn't work 
because it is a step into the unknown for everybody. You mentioned Hugo Lloris there a minute ago, Martin, and um, I think last night like he got a tasty reception from the Marseille fans. It was his first time back since he was there with Leon ten years ago, um, and I mean. He's been under fire for some criticism recently. The first goal they conceded against Newcastle, for example, a couple of mistakes against Arsenal for Gabriel Jesus. Um, so he certainly had his fair share of criticism. I played quite well last night, but like, has he answered questions over the criticism he's got since the start of the season? I know Fraser Forster's waiting in the wings, but I mean, there are still probably some questions among Spurs fans as to Hugo Lloris and his uh, his form. Yeah, look, I think that Lloris is still a pretty good shot stopper. Always has been. Likewise, distribution has never been his strong point. You wouldn't work in, want him working in a parcel office, would you? Because you'd never get anything delivered. Um, but he does make a lot of big saves. And the great thing about all good goalkeepers, particularly those of experience, is they don't worry about making mistakes. They think mistakes are an occupational hazard. And they don't dwell on them, whereas younger goalkeepers tend to. Now, I think you could say that Lloris has made a few, but... Stats-wise, that his his stats in terms of ex- expected goals against and goals you can see, they stack up pretty highly. Still, he is capable of making big, big saves, and he's a big character within the dressing room. The other players like him a lot, and whilst the fans may not be completely convinced and may wonder if it's time after nearly well, it's a decade now that maybe it's time to think about replacing him. That isn't the biggest concern at Tottenham by a long way. You know, there's others who I'd get in and change first before I think about Lloris. I think he may have one more season at Tottenham. I thought he might have gone a year or two ago, actually, but now he's now he's here again. I think he might do one more year. Um, if they could get someone in who's sort of 27, 28, right experience to do the next 10 years, then, then maybe you think about it. But you don't change for the sake of changing. And I mean, Forster's gone there knowing he's second choice. He doesn't think he's first choice. He's not going to try and, you know, the, his first match will now, I think, be next week against Forest in the uh, in the League Cup. And we're into the middle of November by then. You mentioned that there are other areas of the pitch that maybe they could start looking at improving first. Like, are there any players, standout players that they've been either linked with or that have maybe impressed you during the Champions League group stages or otherwise that, that you think, right, there's a, a shoe in for Tottenham? Yeah, look, I mean, I think the, the, the real interest is whether he does p- pursue Mad- Madison. Uh, because I think the one thing you look at Tottenham and you can anyone can say they lack is a real creative midfielder, someone who can thread the the needle, and someone who can take free kicks as well. Because whilst they're scoring, they've scored a lot of goals from set pieces. Direct free kicks haven't been a threat for quite a long time. Actually, um, Kane must be unbelievable in training because he takes them always, and they never come close to the net in the match. But there you go. Um, I think they also they, they could do with them, you know, and they've got three right backs on the right wing backs on the books, and he obviously has doubts about all of them for different reasons. Uh, and I still think they could do with a powerful centre half. Um, they've looked at Bastoni and and others, and none of them have actually happened yet. Let's just see where it goes. Uh, huge game on Sunday for, for Tottenham uh, Martin and for Liverpool I mean it's it's taken on quite a bit of significance this match as well now half past four on Sunday live commentary here and off the ball as well um, but I mean we look at the table Spurs so five points off Arsenal's lead with a game more played Liverpool back in, in ninth I mean it, both teams need a win I don't know who needs to win more potentially Liverpool but I mean it's going to be a cracker Look if Spurs win it would be a huge game because it's the first big match they've won this season uh, Liverpool 
If Liverpool lose their 13 points behind Tottenham, more importantly, they're so far behind Arsenal, they might as well give up. Do ask, do the Liverpool players, how motivated are they for the rest of the season if they're playing for fourth? Because that's what they will be doing if they lose. So it's, I think it's, it's a bigger game in many respects for Liverpool because they can't afford to, to, they need to win. Spurs would want to win. Liverpool need to win. Because if Liverpool lose, their, their season has been, in terms of winning something domestic in the, in the Premier League, is gone. Because they're not going to get that back. So it's, it's huge. But Tottenham haven't played well against the big teams. They've played them all away, which I think is, is, is a factor. If you look so far, uh, the t- only two games in the, amongst the big six have not been won by the home team. And they both involved Chelsea at home to um, Spurs and United. All the other games have been won by the home side. And Spurs have gone away to Chelsea, Arsenal and United. But in all three games, they were awful. So they need to put in a performance as well. Yeah, we watched that game with interest on, on Sunday. Uh, Martin, great stuff as always. Thanks a million this morning. Take care. Bye bye. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.